We're in John chapter 1, and just a few verses, verses 35 to 39. I will not read them because we'll read them as we go along. Let's just bow for a word of prayer as we begin our study. Lord, we give to you our study that you will be honored and glorified and that we will all be helped as we look at the word of God. Teach us this morning, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. There are all kinds of invitations. The message today is invitations of Jesus. I am sure that uh, you have all received some kinds of invitations. I've received a lot of them. You have too. Some are written, some are oral, some are very simple, some are very ornate. But anyway, we're glad that uh, we're glad to get invitations from now and then. I remember when uh, this church called me to be pastor. Boy, that was a great invitation for me many years ago. And when shepherds invited us to go and represent them on the West Coast, representing shepherds, that was a great day for us as well. So invitations are important. And uh, if you have time to go through this section of John, you, your heart will be blessed if you like to study the Bible because it's very interesting. Uh, the testimony of John the Baptist, it was given on three different days. You'll notice that as you read that. It was given to three different groups of people. You'll see that. And it's interesting that each time he spoke to these three different types of groups, there was a, there was a different kind of emphasis as he spoke to them. That's the intrigue of the Word of God, and you will enjoy that as you study it that way. Of course, the leading figure here is John the Baptist. I'm sure you know a lot about John the Baptist. He's a, a very colorful figure in Scripture. Uh, his raiment was of camel's hair. Probably would not be too welcome at First Baptist Church, would he? Well, we don't know what camel hair is like the day he wore it. In those days, I'm sure it was kind of crude, don't you? Anyway, he had, a, he had a leather girdle about his loins. That must have been different. Uh, he ate locust and wild honey. Sounds like uh, the, uh, the adventures of that, that wild man on television. He, uh, he was the subject of Old Testament prophecy. Uh, Isaiah 40 gives a tremendous word about him. We'll mention it a little later. His birth was due to the direct and miraculous intervention of God. We see that in, the cha- in Luke chapter 1. And he was filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb, which is most unusual. He was a man sent from God. That's good. He was sent to prepare the way of the Lord. Matthew 3.3 3 tells us that. And of him the Lord said, and this is quite a statement given by Jesus himself, among them that are born of women, there has not, uh, there has not risen a greater than John the Baptist. That's quite a statement when Jesus says that of someone. If he were in this pulpit today... I would go sit down real quickly. (laughs) Let's look at our outline. It's uh, very simple. Let's talk about the disciples identified. Because in verse 35, in verse 35 we read this. Again the next day John stood with two of his disciples. That's, uh, so it says there were two of them. So we know that. And if you look down at verse 40... One of the two 
who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. So we know there was one unnamed and one whose name was, was Andrew. Now, all Bible scholars, without exception, I've never heard anything differently, all Bible scholars believe it was John the writer of this gospel who was the other one present there when John the Baptist made this statement. And there's a reason for that because John the writer of the, of the, the gospel was a very humble man and he rarely, if ever, talked about himself. He, like he would say, the disciple whom Jesus loved. Well, that was him, but he wouldn't tell his name. That's just the way he was. He was a humble guy. So, the disciples identified, I mentioned there were two of them, John and Andrew. Uh, we believe that uh, there, there's something about John the Baptist which we should understand. He was not content that they be his disciples. He wanted them to follow Jesus. That's why when he was with them in the crowd in the preceding verses, there he looked up, and there was Jesus. Guess what he said? Behold, verse 29, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Drawing attention away from him to Jesus. That's so important. What a great attitude. Maybe not many of us would have that attitude, dear people. I don't know. But what a, what a great man John the Baptist was. So, he was happy when people left him to follow Jesus because his ministry was focused on Jesus. That's why in, in chapter 3, verse 30 of this same book, he said, he said, he must increase, I must decrease. Not a bad verse for any of us, folks, to increase Jesus and get less of us. John had come to prepare the way of the Lord. We're told that in several places. Uh, Isaiah, uh, in fact, it's interesting that in, uh, in verse 23, did you notice what it says in verse 23? Look at that verse. He said, I am the voice. See, he didn't even care if people looked at him. He just, he just wanted people to hear what he had to say about Jesus. Great verse, great verse. And then in Isaiah 43, it, once again it says, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, and make straight in the desert a highway for our God. So he, the Baptist, is mentioned at least 89 times in the New Testament. I didn't count them up, but someone else told me that. And that's very interesting. And um, he, was, uh, he also was the one that came, and we're told that in, in verse 31, that he came to introduce the nation to Israel, the Jews, uh, the, I mean the Jesus to the nation Israel. That's what, that's what John was doing. So our review is simple. The disciples identified in the first place, and they were John and they were Andrew. Now in the second place there we have the disciples introduced. We find that in verse 29. I've already mentioned that. Verse 29 and 36. And looking, looking uh, at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. Now, it's interesting, folks. The more intently we look upon Jesus, the more powerfully we will proclaim him. If you're looking to Jesus today in your life personally, the more you look at him, 
the more you will want to proclaim him to others. That's what John did. What great man. Great lesson for us. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Verse 29 and verse 36 both. You see the Jews, for the Jews when the word lamb was spoken, uh, it, was, it was a part of the sacrifices daily made in the temple. And every lamb was a picture of Jesus. Every one of them. And so Jesus was to come into the world and all those sacrifices were all pointing to Jesus. That's why it's interesting to, to read the tabernacle or about the tabernacle. I've never done it, but a great man of God that was the founder of Dallas Theological Seminary once said that in the tabernacle alone, that building, there are 33,000 types of Jesus just in the manufacture of that temple. Amazing, that tabernacle. <clears throat> John's message was short, simple, selfless, and all about the Savior. We could do well to copy that. The two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. Verse 37, I think they followed him physically and I believe they followed him spiritually because they were being pointed to Jesus. I wonder if we're more willing to have our friends follow Jesus than for them to just think highly of us. Might be a penetrating question for us. Are you willing to give your friends to Jesus? After John introduced these two to Jesus, he fades out of the picture and you hardly ever hear about him again because he is interested in people knowing Jesus, not about John the Baptist. John preached the same message two times. What a shame. Ooh, that's kind of boring, isn't it? Behold, the Lamb of God takes away the sin of the world. Jonah's message back there, I understand, was even less than that, less words than that in the Hebrew language. Some mark these by, some, some people mark, some of you folks have, not maybe the ones here today, but some have marked your Bibles through the years. And then you come up and tell me after the service, Ralph, you preached this message in 1987. Uh, how do you know that? Well, I marked it right here in my Bible. So I, some of you may be checking on me now. In case you are, the last time I preached this message that I'm giving you right now was September 20, 1998. <laughs> so I'm preaching the same message. Oh, it's reworked. Not the way I gave it then, but it's reworked. But it's, it's the same, same message, just like John did. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I used to live in Phoenix, and uh, as a young person, I was the president of the Salt River Valley Youth Association, all the churches of the valley. And, and um, Merv Rizel was a great evangelist, and he came to our, our youth group to, to speak on a, an occasion at a great big rally. And someone asked him about, Mr. Rosell, we noticed that you kind of preach the same message over and over again. Here's what he said. As long as the Holy Spirit is blessing my message, why not preach them more than one time? 
You've heard John Wesley, haven't you? Listen to what he did. John Wesley said, If it's not worth preaching 35 times, it's not worth preaching the first time. Isn't that amazing? He preached over 40,000 sermons. And he rode over 250,000 miles on horseback, a distance equal to 10 circuits of the globe around the equator. Horseback. Ouch. <laughs> a new pastor came to a church, preached the message. Next Sunday he came back, preached the same message. Someone was getting a little uneasy. They came to him and said, Pastor, we noticed that you preached the same message two Sundays in a row. And he said, yes. They, Why? Well, the two times that I preached it, I noticed that no one in the congregation changed their lifestyles. In fact, I was thinking about preaching it again today. So these two were introduced to Jesus. What an introduction that was. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Now we come to two inquiries or questions. Number three. The first question was made by Jesus in verse 38. Do you see it? He says, what do you need? Isn't that interesting? You see, John preached and they came to Jesus and then they had these questions, but Jesus had one of them. What, what do you gentlemen want? What, what are you looking for? Uh, what, do you, what do you really want in life? And see, the truth of the matter is, dear people, is that Jesus speaks to you and me today the same thing, wanting us to tell him what we want him to do. But I, I mean in your life, what you want God to do in your life pretty important he wanted he wanted them to declare what they really wanted have you really told Jesus what you want I'm so concerned that people come to church forever and ever 20, 30, 40, 50 years and they've never ever told Jesus that they want him as their personal savior. What do you want from me? Jesus is interested in that. They had stepped out to follow him. And he is very interested in filling their desires. They are, there, there are great varieties of motives and influences. Which make people become, become the outward or, and professed followers of Christ. But what is your motive my friend? What do you seek? Have you ever answered that question? What do you seek? Is it, it, you see, it really is a blank check given by Jesus to you and me. We will fill in the blank. And I hope you're serious with God and will write the right thing in that blank check that you know your heart needs to make with our wonderful Jesus. There are a lot of questions that might come up in your mind, things that you may want. You might want personal gain. You might want to 
you, you might want to follow the crowd. You might want to really, you might want to really follow Jesus. You might want to be real popular. You might want to please someone, something, or you might want to improve your health. But see, folks, I hope that what you want is to have your sins forgiven and be, for, and be given the assurance that when you die, and you are, you will be with the Lord in heaven forever. That's the most important thing. There's another question. Did you see it? In verse 38, John and Andrew together. First, Jesus asked the question, what do you fellows want? Now, now here the two fellows are going to ask Jesus. They're going to say in verse 38, where are you staying? In other words, where do you live, Jesus? There they go. Isn't that amazing? They wanted to be with they asked that because they wanted to be with him. Where, they wanted to be with Jesus. They wanted, to, they wanted to know where he lived. Doubtless with him, he answered the other questions for them and spoke to their hearts and their needs for him. You see, it's not enough just to know him, dear folks today. Jesus was introduced by John, so they knew, now they know Jesus, the Lamb of God. It's not enough just to know him. One must want to be with him. Have you, have you been with Jesus today? Have you read the word? Have you prayed? Have you fellowshiped with the risen Savior? It's so important. So those are the two in- inquiries by Jesus and by the two disciples and now we come to the fourth. It's, it's called the invitation. Oh, how precious this is. Jesus answers it in verse 39 with three words. They want to know where he was. They, and here's what Jesus said. Here's the invitation now. Come and see. Wow. There are three things involved in this. First of all, there's a, the de- desire because you see they had... They had asked, where do you live? That's their, kind of their desire. And so now they, 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 Jesus is saying, come and see. And so that, that they really wanted to know. So, so do, you, do you have a desire to know where Jesus is? That's their desire. Now the decision, it says, just two words it says in the text. They came. Isn't that amazing? Doesn't, see, doesn't take a whole lot to say a whole lot when you get into scripture. Two words tell it all. They came. They asked a question. Jesus told them, they came. I love it. Come and you will see. In other words, you must come. You must come if you do. And if you do, you will see. But I'm afraid some people have never come. Therefore, they never see where Jesus really is. <clears throat> do you have a desire to know? Do you have a desire tonight, today to, to you, must, it says you must come to Jesus, and when you do, you will experience all he has for you. That's the, the decision. So the desire, then the decision, now there's the delight. It says, abode with him that day. Now, we don't think they went to stay there forever but they wanted to say won't know where Jesus was so they went there and they 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 stayed that day and communed with him 
Jesus always invites you to come to him. He wants you to be with him. He desires your fellowship. He wants you to see for yourself. You see, Andrew and John had heard from the Baptist about Jesus, and now what Jesus bids them to do is to come and to know him. What a wonderful thing. It's so very, very practical. So go to Christ and hear what he himself has to say to you, my dear friend. They were, they were the, actually, when you look at it, these two men were kind of the, the first members of, of the Jewish nation to recognize the Messiah. So it was kind of the start, even though it would happen later on. But here, the church and the little bitty nucleus was starting because these two men were with Jesus and they were introduced to him. <clears throat> I hope that, that you will learn to come to Jesus and learn from him. A dear lady wrote some words. They are a song. I'm sure not going to sing them. In the secret of his presence, how my soul delights to hide. Oh, how precious are the lessons which I learn at Jesus' side. Earthly cares can never vex me. Neither trials lay me low. For when Satan comes to tempt me, to the secret place I go. God wants you in a secret place, dear friend. When my soul is faint and thirsty neath the shadow of his wing, there is cool and pleasant shelter and a fresh and crystal spring. And my Savior rests beside me, and we hold communion sweet. If I tried, I could not utter what he says when thus we meet. Have you been with Jesus in the sweetness of his word and in prayer and listened to him talk to you? That's what he wants. Only this I know, I tell him all my doubts and griefs and fears. Oh, how patiently he listens and my drooping soul he cheers. Do you think he ne'er reproves me? What a false friend he would be if he never, never told me of the sins which he must see. And maybe you've not given Jesus enough time to slip into your heart and mind and your soul to show you the sins that are concerned, that he is concerned about. Would you like to know the sweetness of the secret of the Lord? Go and hide beneath his shadow. This shall be, then be your reward. And whene'er you leave the silence of that happy meeting place, by the Spirit bear the image of the Master in your face. You'll be a different you after you come to Jesus and get things straightened out. You can meet others and they'll see Jesus in you. My conclusion, dear friends, if you've never accepted the invitation of Jesus to come and see, please do it today. Maybe you've gone through a ritual a long time ago and you said, yes, I received Jesus as my personal Savior, and you said a kind of a mechanical prayer and you thought it was all over. But listen, friends, if he's really not your Savior... He's not your Savior. 
you've got to ask him in. You have to tell him you want to be saved and cleansed from your sin and prepared for heaven. Remember, Jesus, the Lamb, is the one, the only one who can take away your sin. Why not let him do it today? There are all kinds of teachings out there that tell you how you get your, your sins forgiven. But only Jesus has the answer. And I trust that some of you would be willing to be a witness for the Lord and telling others about Jesus as John the Baptist did. I read of a dear old man as Dr. Archibald Alexander, a great prince of preachers and teachers in Princeton years ago. On his deathbed, here is what he said. He said, all my theology is reduced to this narrow compass. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. Friends, that's our message. That's the message of this church. This is what God expects us to do. Two men at Niagara Falls, you've heard the story so often, their boat was going helplessly toward the abyss, and they could not row themselves out of the danger. Someone on shore threw a rope, and one of the fellows in the boat grabbed the the rope, and he was able to be pulled to safety. The other man also was given a rope, and he grabbed onto it. But just as he did, a huge, beautiful log passed by, and he said, what an opportunity. And he flung himself on the log, and they never saw him again. But the rope, whose hand was grasped on that, came safely to shore. And that's what Jesus does. He throws us the rope of eternal salvation. Only he can draw you to shore. Only he can save your soul. And when he does, you'll be safe with him. Your sin's forgiven. And you know, no matter what happens, it's going to be okay. Let's pray. Father, We bow in your presence with humble hearts today, yearning that people will reach out for Jesus. Lord, help people by the Spirit of God to come to Jesus, receive you as their personal Savior, and live with you for eternity. And folks, as I pray today, I'm just going to ask you, maybe some of you here have never, ever done that. Never. And that's okay. You could do it right now. And if that's your desire, my friend, would you just say this, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, and I know that Jesus died on the cross and shed his precious blood for me. And by that shed blood, we have forgiveness of sins for all who will come to him. Lord, save me now. I really never made this decision, but Lord, I want to make it right now. Save me for Jesus' sake. Forgive my sins and make it so that when I die, I know I'm going to go to heaven. So I pray that you 
who really mean business for God will do that in this very moment. Thank you, Lord, for the moment that you have allowed us to be together today. And as I finish the message, there may be some of you who have other things that you want Jesus to do in your life. And the most important, of course, is salvation. But if there are other needs in your life, dear friend, plus the salvation need, would you just raise your hand? Of course, we will not share your, your, your life with anyone else, just Jesus. Just raise your hand so I can pray for you, please. Anyone? Yes, thank you. Anyone else? God bless you. Lord, seal to our hearts the things decided today. We thank you for Jesus, our Savior, and that we can proclaim your name to others. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.